Hello and welcome to this week's 77th edition of the Mad Axman podcast. This week, of course, the full team of seven reassemble and we talk about a whole range of subjects, going from the Mycenaeans to the Renaissance and the Second World War, and from 15 mil through 20s to 28s, and I think even a little bit of 10s from time to time. But mainly, we're all just drumming our fingers in frustration and anticipation for ADLG version 4 coming up, and we do have a chat about some of the hints which have been released by Hervé in an interview that's gone out. Hopefully by the time you read this, we will all be pouring through with our sweaty paws on the new edition so sit back enjoy the podcast and paint up all those new troops this means war Well, look, welcome everybody to, I've just bloody lost count really, an, an innumerate number of Mad Axeman um, podcasts here. And as usual, the the, the Hirschutes and the Not-So-Hirschutes set of seven are, um, are here up on screen. Um, I must admit, with the sun shining, um, I'm getting bloody sick of Zoom and I've, I've not even had a job for six months. But um, <laughs> I only see you now once a fortnight. But, the rest but of us, we all hate Zoom. We all hate Zoom still, indeed. And... Um, as we're we're lurking into the outside and and we're lurking forwards to to world of ADLG four and um, we're almost in touching distance now of in theory being able to play face to face games um, which we can do outside but by the time this comes out we'll be a fortnight away from doing this indoors as well which will be be tremendously exciting um, as well but without further ado never mind the gaming never mind the um, outdoor never mind the, the getting a tan and a haircut. Let's talk about um, what people have done locked in their own small rooms doing um, doing a chunk of painting. And let's for a change, start in the kitchen of the Finkel. Mr. Finkel, in your kitchen with your red pots and your grey pots, um, maybe it looks like you're doing some sort of weird chess-based thing or, or possibly possibly the grey ones are from American Civil War battleship um, design. To Yeah, the red ones are the rebels. Yeah, Red, red ones are the rebels. They're, um, they're Zouave pots. That's right. The wave shipping. Um, right. So, what have you been? What have you been up to in the last fortnight in the world of painting? I've, I've almost forgot what you were doing. Um, so have I, to be honest. Yeah. I'm starting one of these projects, which is a bit like it was a bit like your Hungarians, I think it was, in or your mm. Arabs, and you think, oh God, it's ever going to end. And it's um, basically ten mil World War Two stuff. I've done twelve bases of British infantry and twelve bases of British paras, and I found some more stuff which I'm painting and rebasing, and it just seems to go on and on. Is this because you got the Germans in plastic from um, uh, Victrix, hadn't you? But no, that was Adam. That was Adam has got the Germans from from Victrix. Yeah, and you've got Pendragon metals. Then I'm guessing. Yeah, that's right. And 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 uh, Jeff gave me a load of them. Um, I think the minifigs ones. Um, okay, a little bit smaller, but you can sort of weave them in and. The good thing is these guys have all got support weapons like Piats and Bren guns and things. So you can just stick one on a base so it doesn't actually yeah. throw the other ones out of balance. Eleven them in. Yeah. Okay. So I've got loads so what, of them to paint. Your, what's been your approach with those guys? Is it paint? Is it base first and then undercoat? Is it undercoat them on sticks? How how do you actually uh, how do you approach it, 10 mil? Yeah, st- stick them on uh, lollipop sticks with blue tack. Um undercoat them uh gray primer then put the khaki on then a kind of um bone or bleach color for the gators and the haversacks 
darker brown or black for the weapon, dab of um, flesh, and you go back over where you overpainted the flesh where you shouldn't have done, and then that's basically it. And then you stick them on bases. Do you, do you find that the blue tack holds them on well enough? Because um, I, 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 yeah. right, I, I always end up kind of trying to do mine with a dab of glue, and then some of them are a right bugger to get off. <laughs> to be honest. Well, no, because there's only 10 mil figures, so they're quite light. So if you've True. got a reasonable amount of blue tack, you can normally jab them in enough to hold them while you while you paint them. Right. Do you do that with do you do blue tack with 15s or do you glue those as well? Um I normally glue the 15s. I've only started using blue tack recently, so uh okay. I haven't really tried it with 15s. It's a COVID um, related um related initiative then. Well, it's just something that occurred to me quite recently. And, yeah. and I've tried doing some of those Victrix uh, Hannah mags, and they're a pain in the ass. Is that the assembly or the painting? Or both? Um, well, primarily the assembly, and then, then, it, then it looks a bit naff when you start painting it. I mean, um, it really would be helpful if you said, do this first, then do that, then do something else. Um, because you find you put it together and you trial by error, and you've done it all slightly wrong. And, for example, you stick the squad in, then you find that the bloke with the machine gun sticking out the front, there's no room for him to stand. Which really? is a bit frustrating. All oh, right, so it's either the man with the machine gun or the infantry in the back, or, or are you supposed to stick well, the infantry you need, down? Well, you, you should really put the guy with the um, machine gun first and then put your squads in. But because there's nothing to tell you that, you only find out by trial and error, more, more mm -hmm. errors than trial. God, that's amazing. So mine are from um, the metal ones from Red 3, yeah. and they slot together so neatly. You know, it kind of doesn't matter which way you do it. It just all, it all kind of fits. Um, and I think I ended up leaving the the undercarriage, the the tracks and stuff, the track unit off um, to do that um, separately, so that you can paint on the top of the tracks because that's always a challenge with those um yeah yeah mill ones. So you, did you end up biting the bullet and buying um, buying six tigers, which is no, I haven't bought I haven't bought any tigers. I'm I'm a I'm a little bit. I'm sure um, in terms of, I mean, in terms of the mod modelling, the way they cut out and stuff, they're, they're absolutely fine. Just put them together and working out how to put them together, and that is a bit of a bugger. So I'm mm. not inclined to go out and buy any more. To be honest, um, I'm not sure whether we're going to keep these half tracks or just write it off as a bad job and maybe buy some somewhere else. Wow. Okay. Um, that, jury's that out on that at the moment, but they, they, they just okay. I'm not convinced they're going to turn out as well as I would have hoped. On that note, then, because I've got some stugs lined up, well, going to be lined up in the painting queue soon. Tim, did yeah. you say that you've done the stugs? Um, I've done the Shermans, and that was like a three-part model, or no, okay. it's five. So I think it was two tracks, and the base of the tank was one thing. So you'd stuck the tracks onto this little base thing to give you a, a you know, some science fiction vehicle that. You probably do and then you clip the top of the tank onto it after you've done all the tracks then the turret was i think the turret might even have been one piece i'm not even sure it had a separate gun um yeah i think it was just Cromwell's is four bits and you know each wow. of the sides the top the bottom of the gun is all separate bits it's about five or six bits in a turret why i don't God. know but god that's really weird because the sherman was super easy and um... we'll have to have a look at the frame of the studs because four or five bits for a turret of a tank that size does start to sound a bit Goodly. Yeah, but I suppose yeah. the Cromwell is kind of square square sides, isn't it? I don't know whether that makes it difficult to cast in plastic or... I mean, in, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of slightly angular, more like almost like a hexangular hexagonal yeah. shape. But there's no um, undercuts, are there? 
it doesn't slope inwards or anything weird like that, no, does no. it? No, it's mm. fa fairly rectangular. Yeah. Yeah. Odd. Okay. So has it just been sort of all the last fortnight has been Second World War world for you then? Yeah. Okay. That does, yeah, that does prompt me that I should probably go back and look at some of my own then. But okay. Well, look, Adam, um, as you were, you were talking about things that you've, you own and you're tempted to start, that presumably means you haven't started any stugs yet. Anything, um, well, what's been on the, the Adam Bournemouth paint bed? Bench, oh, I've done a fair bit. I'm actually quite pleased with the last two weeks because um, I did. I've done three um, three separate things. I've done. I finished off the uh, late 15th century knights I was doing, which um, I'm really Paris. really yeah. pleased with. Um, I'm pleased with the models and I'm pleased with how I painted them um, because um, the Perry models, all the horses are in a canter and all the sort of like riders have got the lance upright. They're not in full on charge, mm. which I actually quite like. If I do do a medium knight army like the Teutonics, and I'm, I'm going to, if I do that, I'm going to base the army around the knights, and I'm going to want them all in a long line charging forward, lances down, looking grr. Whereas, sort of like where in the ordnance French, the knights aren't, the knights are just one part of the toolkit type thing. They they look like they're travelling with intent, but they're not sort of like charging in. So they look like hopefully what they are, sort of the um, the elite spear tip of the mounted um, riders because um, they're near enough all in white harness but the harness for the horses and um, are colourful and I've done the lance some some sort of single colours but quite colourful some um, stripes so um, I'm yeah. really pleased with how they turned out. Did you do spiral stripes or did you just go for bands? I didn't do the barber's pole I, I no. went for bands because looking at the barber's pole I sort of did some research on how to do that and I'd sort of because it's sort of like putting tape around, you can get tape and pull it around. And I thought that's fine right up until what happens when you get to where the hand, oh, I can't be asked. So I just did yeah. bands. I think that's um, a, a good enough compromise between that looks cool and mm. oh, that was easy. So those two things. Because the I whole. It um, does, I suppose it does mean your Google search history involves um, searching for how to paint a barber's pole. And, um, and I don't know <laughs> if that's some sort of euphemism um, mm. taking us into. <laughs> yeah. Because. Um, um, this, this army I'm actually spending, making more of an effort, spending more time on than um, what I've been doing recently. So, because I was thinking, so the riders, should I just spray them gunmetal and sort of like more or less call it a good, but I didn't, I did them black and then I did a dry brush and heavy dry brush and gunmetal. Um, and then I did a heavy wash in dark tone army painter because I couldn't find any known oil. Um, and another um, dry brush of gunmetal and then a light dry brush of silver which um, because it's all dry brushing is ridiculously quick, but it just gives quite a lot of depth for the sort of, for the sort of like time taken versus effect. It's a really good sort of like equation. And um, the colorfulness comes there as well with all the um, horse tacks. So um, I'm really pleased with them. They're really good. Then I spent some time sticking together a couple of Swiss, Swiss pipe blocks, um, okay. which is good. Now, um, that, how, how, yeah, how many pikes did you manage to get out of the box? Because they, those men can do anything, can't they? They can be any. Well, they can't. That, that was one of the disappointing things because yeah. I wanted twenty-four because I'm doing two units. Yeah, and it's I want twelve. Eighteen pikes in a box, isn't it? Well, mm, yeah, it's because I want um, I wanted twelve in a base because, yeah. like, when I did the Romans, I wanted them to. When I did my Roman legionaries, I wanted them to look like they're attacking and getting stuck in so they're sort yeah. of like flailing limbs all over the place so i only put six on the base even though 
it says they should be eight, but even with six, I was sometimes yeah. finding it hard to stick them all on because they were doing so much. But I thought with Swiss bike locks, I want them to look as solid as possibly possible. So I, I wanted 24. And Tamsin, you're right, there was only 18 pikes and or pole arms. So I was wow. thinking, that's annoying. But um, firstly, there are also sort of like four commanders, someone waving a flag or playing an instrument or something. You yeah. can go in the middle. And then, as well as buying those, um, that box of mercenaries, I bought a box of um, late footnights um, for the dismounts, basically, um, and a box of um, English Civil War bow and billmen, because mm. I need um, ordnance um, archers. And all those three box, boxes work together. So I can kind of make it work, because I took a couple of the bodies from the footnights and gave them a pike, so the front ranks of the pikes look like really solid, fully armoured. So yeah. that looks really cool. Um, the sixth edition uh, medium infantry with an extra heavy infantry front crust. Extra heavy crust, yes, indeed. Um, Proper old school good. rules. Um, and I can use. There's lots of options on the arms of the English billmen for um, for um, bills and pole arms, which can go onto the bodies of the um, mercenaries. Yeah. So each pipe block has got one or two um, pole arms in the middle, which is quite historical. The Swiss pipe blocks until quite late weren't all pikes, they had lots of pipemen. Plus, that means I can also do another base of six um, two-handed cutted weapon yeah. um, to work on the flank. Um, and because I've substituted in some night bodies, that gives me enough bodies to do a box of six, um, a base, one base of six crossbows in case I want them for filler, and five units of skirmishes, either with crossbows or um, handguns. So and you've got two other packets of um, of those fillers yeah. as well. Yeah, Just so... By accident, all, yeah. Um, all those three box working together um, is, is really, really handy, and they all do fit together really, really well. It's like I checked, there's, from the um, English Billman and Archer's box, there was sort of like a two-arm thing holding the same two-handed cutting weapon, and it just fitted onto one of the Swiss bodies perfectly, like it was yeah. part of the same kit. I needed to do nothing with it. So that was really pleasing. And um, I haven't based them all up, but I put them, I did two bases and figured out where it was all going to go. And um, I looked at that and I thought, oh, that looks, I'm not sure whether I like the look of that because it looks a bit, a bit grey. So I'm hoping once there's colour, once there's armour, once there's sort of like movement, I'm hoping that they're going to turn out um, to be a couple of really nice looking bases and look really, really tough Swiss pikey. Yeah, because if, if they're Swiss, you know, you were saying that you did black undercoat and then dry brush and all the rest of it on the nights. But then mm -hmm. if you've got fully armoured geezers at the front rank of your, your pipe yeah. block as well, mm -hmm. are you going to do those with undercoating them in black? Um, or yeah, I am. Um, and for the colourful ones, because I'll probably do, um, I can't remember the cantons, one that's blue and white and one that's red and black or oh, something like that. Uh, the blue and white ones, I think it was Lucerne. 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 Yes, Lucerne. Yeah, and I think it's Uri, the one with the bear. Um, yeah. That's uh, Burn, I think, is the bear, isn't it? Bear was, oh, was black it? and yellow. Yeah, black and, and yellow. Burn for and Uri's the one with the bull. It might be that one. Bull is burn, yeah. Yeah, um, and yeah. So yeah, I'm going to do all black. So the colourful ones are going to take more work than I'm used to doing on a figure because I'm going to have to build up a bit of colour 
Um, but again, it's it's worth it because where the uniform is going to be split in half, having the black line down the middle, it's 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 um it's going to take a while. But I'm I'm hoping that the outcome will be worth it rather than just sort of like quickly paint on a bit of red, bit of white army paint. So that will look a bit. Meh. Now, um, obviously, they're going to look far too shiny and clean, but it's the reason why we paint toy soldiers because we like yeah. shiny, shiny look, nice stuff. looking things. So that's yeah. good. I think so I did see this week on, um, I wonder which group it was. It was on one Facebook group that somebody had um, published a load of um, downloadable, print-offable flags for Swiss that were really nice. Um, might have been in, you know, 15 mil historical. I might have a look. Like but the other good thing about yeah. the Perry boxes is they come with a leaflet for the flags. Yeah, true. So yeah. my Knights, of, um, my, the one that will serve as the included general if I ever use it, he's got a flag. Um, they've got flags for the different Swiss contingents in this box. There's also a French Royal flag, which I'll probably give one of the Swiss white box, one of them, because they're probably going to have an included general. Um, so it, it kind of comes with it. It's, it's all quite good. Yeah, I, I think I've tr- I, I found those, you know, the Perry, it is great to get free flags in it. But I don't know, I think I found those flags maybe a little bit, they looked a bit small or something or... I don't know what, maybe it's, oh, maybe I'm just thinking. Weirdly enough, the ones with the, um, in a Swiss, but the ones that came with the knights don't, but the Swiss no. flags yeah. do look not massive. Yeah. Um, but and I kind of think if you're having a Swiss, you just need dirty great flags um, to make them look more. Mm, yeah, Dave, you're waving, waving, no, Dave, that's just putting it close to the camera. Um, you know, we can see that it might be, you know, big, but <laughs> small and far away. But yeah, no, that I can see it better now. That is a, that is a dirty great flag there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought the Perry ones were a little bit small. They looked a bit odd. I tried using some of the Swiss ones and you were like, this this isn't... No, that's because I did look at them. When I looked at them, I thought that is a bit small. Um, so yeah, I might sort of like dig it. No, 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 you said it as well. It's like, yeah, not just me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I might go for... Um, and they might be historically correct, that size, but... But Tosh, that as, we don't do that sort of stuff in this podcast, yeah. do we? Not at all. You got okay. highlight the sort of like highlight the interesting bits. So yeah, yeah, you might I might go bigger flags, and then um, I had got based up my World War II Germans, and I've been painting them, and I'm halfway through them. Um, so yeah, and, Big Tricks Infantry. Where where's yeah. your head at? Being halfway through them, they're fine. They're um, they're characterful. They're well sculpted. There was almost no flash. They're they're absolutely fine. Um, right. As I say, it's like I was a bit disappointed to get so many figures with so little additional extras of mm. not just um, infantry. But as I say, I think they've done a company box, which is like it's fine. Yeah. Painting them um, is good. Although um, one thing that again, and this is um, a bit weird wargamey thing, when I painted my twenty mil Germans, I did them using the uh, I think it's Army Painter. They've got sort of like grey uniform spray paint which I did and that's fine and even as Mm. I did it I kind of knew that it was the wrong colour because it's not felt grey it's not green grey but when I did it you do it and you look at them and they go and you think oh they look like Germans you know what I mean so it's absolutely fine yeah Yeah. whereas um, these ones um, I thought I'll do it properly because I've got some felt grey paint from um, I think it's Code Armors and I thought I'll use that because that's the correct shade um, and I put it on, and I'm willing to concede that it is the correct shade for um, German army uniforms, but it kind of looks wrong. Yeah. It looks, it doesn't look like Germany. It looks like yeah. 
because it is grey green, which is yep. correct colour, but it, which is it's green, like really, it looks a bit too not dirty. It looks weird. I've, uh, I've done, I've done, you know, we're talking the same thing on the flags. I've done exactly the same thing with all my Germans, and and I don't know. I might have found a website that suggested this, you know, twenty plus years ago when I started doing probably some fifteen mil Germans for PBI or something, and and I've ended up doing all my Germans with lighter gray like pale gray trousers and then using the feldgrau for their um like tops jackets or whatever okay. they are and and it's one of those weird things because i again i know that's completely wrong i like unless tams is going to tell me that there was a uh, that's a, not that's not overly wrong for early war early war there we go now maybe maybe we were all just obsessed with early war so having lighter trousers gray gray light gray trousers and then the failed grow top is where my head is at with germans and then you know again i've looked at thinking should i do them all with um with the monochrome and it just doesn't work because i think particularly on the tiny figures you need a little bit more um distinction. I, might... I don't know tamsin is that is that a thing that was just blitzkrieg early war or was it did it get into the um, 43 42 it was it was early war where you really where you really saw the difference between sort of the colour of the trousers and the mm. jackets. That was almost Napoleonic when they used to oh well, you've got to have different colour jackets and trousers. That's the way it works. Yeah. I might give that because be painting trousers will take minutes because it's just like yeah. whack, 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 whack. But um I want to put on the rest of the colours first, because I've only really so far done um the uniform colour. So it might be but that it's just my, that's the only thing that I can see, so it yeah. looks wrong. And once everything else is done, that might work. And I'm also going to use army paint, although I'm not going to use the um, big tin because that's quite no. gloopy. I'm going to give them a light wash of the sort of like water-based one, and that might help settle it down as well. So we'll see how that goes. Tamsin, can you can, can you tell me what color should I paint a pyat? Uh, pyat, you know the anti-tank weapon. Uh, the oh, English one. Yeah, um, that's just the sort of. Oh, ten mils and green, black. Oh, oh green. Yeah. Oak, okay, green. thanks. It's great. It was green. I uh, it's got uh, sort of olive greens. Yeah. If you're using Vallejo, I'd say reflective green. No, I'm using coat arms. Sort of lighter added in. Faded olive. Faded olive. Huh? Faded olive. Uh, yeah. You might need to what you might need to give fade because that's coat arms paint, isn't it? Yeah. I'm not really. Don't really know that. Those, but... Same colour as a British tank and call it a good one. Yeah. yeah. Right. And that would be the same, you'd use the same colour for either mortars. Yeah. What about the sort of Piat bombs? Would they be green as well or different colour? Uh, they tended to be, yeah. Right. Those army painter tins of varnish, which always cost £10.99 at a show because you're buying them cheap at a show because the postage is excessive. And then you always get 50% of the tin before an impenetrable skin mm. about an inch thick forms on the top of it. No matter how carefully you try to avoid wiping the varnish around the edge of the, the tin on the way so that it does actually seal and the air doesn't get in. Um, which I think is someone told me once it's because it has a um, it has some sort of 
um, non-reactive air injected into it to, to start with. And as soon as you open it and it's just got normal air, it, it's just buggered anyway. But I was just trying to think, it's such a long time now. I used to slather it on everything as a gloss varnish and then matte varnish. But I just found it was just becoming too heavy for where my painting style was going. And, um, you know, I think maybe I've used it on some tanks um, that I really, really wanted to make darker, but I've not used it for a long time. And I've got two tins that are both half open um, and I know that they're both dead, really. And I'm, I'm just not sure that I'm going to kind of go oh, I think again. before they die, I think it does get quite gloopy, which again, yeah. when, when you're doing... Um, 28 mil figures and you're yeah. doing them quite bright anyhow or sort of mm. like quite that's still okay because it is 28 take it. yeah yeah but um where i'm doing tens it just i it, yeah i think the water-based one is just a lot more delicate so um yeah a little it coat is. of that because it'll bring out the face it'll sort of like settle into any creases in the uniform so because yeah. a felgal just looks monochrome yeah uniform at the moment so once the creases are darker i'm hoping it will like sort of like make it settle yeah. down yeah i wonder if other people have kind of has, has anybody else kind of gone past army painter it used to, it was a go-to for dave you're you're waving a tin of stuff that looks like are you going to open it now live on screen and find I'm out that it's all gone it. i'm just trying to open it because i'm i have to admit that you uh, may never open it now that you've discussed it i don't think this has been open for a good Maybe it's lockdown has actually improved all our painting. We're not using so much of damn stuff. I'm, no, I might I try and open one of mine in real. Oh, oh yeah. no, 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 Peter. Yeah, you're all over that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is Here we go. I, I, I like, oh, I like on, using it because it has oh. an extra coverage to protect my stuff. I've not used it as much, and I've used it a lot more sparingly and stuff. But I find it protects my figures from my. How brave am I for comedy purposes? Oh, yeah, no, that's just a little bit clumsiness over the computer. Yeah, over the computer. This is this must be like seventy five percent full, and it's just got a rock hard rubbery skin that may well get, go all the way down it. And um, got a stalagmite. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a stalagmite. It's got a stalagmite yeah. in the middle of the tin lid as well. Yeah. What you find is it gets so hard you can almost use it as an armor piercing sabot round for a tank. Oh no, this is kind of slightly slightly wobbly, which is even more disturbing. And um, so, ugh. yeah, and then it's oh, never going to seal again properly, is it? Until like, I get a hammer. Let's pop that back up there. So, do you think this is like a podcast thing that, that other than you, Peter, um, all our painting has improved and um, we're not using so much army painter? Well, painting's improved. That doesn't mean to say I can't use army painter. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yours I'm has just, got no, to the stage I, of using it. It works well on gold. Never used army painter. Um, I use it. You I still quite like it, as I say. The Romans yeah. and my Dacians, they all they all got it. Yeah. It made made me paint those armies so much quicker. I wouldn't have done them if I had to paint them properly Stop. in a yeah. sort of like a proper artistic, skillful style. I just, yeah. They just wouldn't have happened. So um, I still use, but for ten mil horses, for courses, I suppose for ten yeah. mil. No, I'm not going to. Yeah, that's true. Actually, because I'm thinking thinking now, my twenty eight mils that I did use it on a lot were all you know, generic dark age figures mm -hmm. and then the mucky Romans, then the mucky um, medievals as well. So they all did sort of need it, but then the Arabs, I didn't use it on them at all because they're really vibrant colors. And I was using more of the contrast paints. So I didn't want to kind of kill the contrast paints with an extra layer of 
Megaphone. And again, it's like if I did a silky bright 28 mil army after seeing yours, I probably would go with contrast paints because A, it's really quick again. Yeah. So I can actually get it done. And B, it looks good for that style of figure. So yeah. everyone's a winner, really. Yeah, it's just horses. horses definitely. Okay. I stopped using the um, the tin stuff because when I first started using it, I used that tin stuff a lot. And like you, you get halfway through a tin, then you throw it away, which is a real bugger. Um, but one of our Wagaming friends, Richard, uh, Richard Case, put me onto their their water based versions, the ones that they got yeah, drop the droppers. Yeah, I, I use that a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I use that. So it yeah. doesn't stink. Yeah, because I found they're quite nice because I don't have to water them down using white spirits, and in a flat, not having to say it sinks to high heaven is quite effective. Yep. And you get ninety nine percent of you know ninety percent of the effect, so it's probably the same price point. It doesn't smell. It's water-based, and I can mix up in the flat. So you know what? The yep. old tin, pork. And, oh, I think um, I bought the um, – well, actually, it might have been from the Napoleonics as well. I bought their, like, 12-wash, you know, set or something like that that comes with a bit of the wash dilution piece as well. And uh, I, I think I did the blue wash on their um, on their blues for a lot of those Napoleonic 10-mil things. But, um, okay. So, so that's kind of moved on, but I, right, well, I just find the the um, tin one it, it works well and it protects my stuff and goes all quickly. But the problem is um, one the smell, and two if I do my usual cack handedness, I find like stickiness on the back of my hand or something like four hours later, um, where it's like glommed onto me and being able to shift it. So I'm always paranoid when I'm having to do work stuff that I won't get it all over my laptop. Actually, I am just looking at this again and thinking. I've almost always bought Strong Tone in the tin, the gloss varnish yeah. tin. I wonder, does the um, does the soft tone tin actually exist? Does yeah, everybody yeah. just buy soft tone, or, or, or am I, is it me buying I, Strong I Tone? Get, um, strong. You always get strong. Does anybody buy soft? I this with the tin. I did use the soft tone for. Um, I did it for my Austrians for my uh, Blucher Napoleonic Army because it's, obviously they're all in white. I wanted yeah. a Lighter brown because the heavy one looked really dirty. Yeah, and this one wasn't too bad. Okay, but I just always wonder whether you need a black wash, um, but very watered down, rather than a light brown wash for stuff like Austrians. That's that's mm. kind of the mm. you know you want the, the black bits to be black, but um, you don't want it to distract. You don't you don't want to make it make them all um very pale sepia. I don't know. That's a thing. Okay, well, look, let's keep going around and um, and jump away from the world of um, washes and easy painting, and um, and ask the only proper painter on the the thing, Tamsin. What, where have we been going this week with the? Um, I, I presume there's, you must have finished. I'm guessing some um, some yeah, amazing Americans. Yeah, are finished. Wow. Okay. Open up share screen, screen mm. share, so you can see pics. Uh, so. Last time, I think I just started on the support on some support teams. I think it was, yeah. I finished mm. the first platoon, started on the, some support elements. So, you got Ivo, so you got I Medics, the infantry, the team. Yeah. Uh, you got the jump off point, sort of right. medic, any a casualty, sniper, guy with radar the, with the radar. Yeah, radar who's. I act, acting as a forward observer, a medic, and an engineer with satchel of demolition charges. Okay. 
yelling out there. Yeah. So what, what did you use for the, the, the um, radio? Because you've got the radio. Sorry? You've got the radio with actually an antenna on it. What did you what did you use for that? Just um uh, nylon bristle from a brush. Okay. All right, I just glued a... it, super glued it in, then paint I painted it. Did you research the proper colour for it or did you just go grey? It's sort of a grey metallic. Okay, of course. There's probably three layers of dry brushing on it or something like that. No. Just the two. <laughs> just the two. Okay. Uh, either bazooka teams which i finally mm. took photos of yeah okay and for ba i for bars guys which i for bazookas and bar and bars i painted as test figures ages back but i realized i've never actually taken proper photos of them so okay so with those um those bars you've obviously got kind of sort of gunmetal-esque highlights on them and uh, the rest. So yeah. do you, on 28mm figures, do you choose where those highlights are going or do you yes. kind of dry, you do, you actually paint them on rather than just like do a dry brush over it and see yeah. where, it, where it lands? Yeah, I, I paint it on because I'm not going to dry brush metal, I metals because uh, metals are the last thing, I pretty much the last thing okay. I paint. Sorry, so that's not... That's not metals then. Then that's actually painted for some highlights. Uh, there's metallic in, there's metallic paint in there, but mixed in with with, with some I matte paint, matte paint oh. mi mixed in. Because cool, I must admit, when I'm doing um, guns, it's kind of just give them a kind of wipe over um, with a you know with a gun metal, and wherever the highlights pick up, the highlights pick up. But you're actually choosing where they are. Wow, we. Yeah. You must be very chuffed with these. These are fantastic, aren't they? Yeah. I've pleased with how Paris came out overall. Um, mm. And so moving on. Yeah. My third rifle squad. Yeah, this is the accidental third rifles, wasn't it? Yeah, the accidental second platoon, yeah. Accidental second platoon, yeah. Well, it was different to get another squad. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that guy with the ammo belt around his neck and things. And these are all the artisan figures as well. Still. Um, artisan, artisan, crusader, crusader. Okay, you know, crusader, artisan, pretty much. It's all Nick at North Star, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So are you uh, um, are, these are Paris. So I see that. I think I saw this week that Warlord are bringing out a um, a, a Japanese plus the, US Marines, aren't they? Yeah, for I sort of for beach assault, island assault, beach assault one. set with like loads of stuff in it, including a an M3 half track that was never used in the which theater. Marines never used. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But, but M3 yeah, half tracks well, are cool. It's Warlord yeah. games, histor historical accuracy, Warlord games. Yeah. <laughs> Minor detail. Yeah. And then the fourth rifle squad. Yeah. I always struggle with the difference between those different American heavy weapons. So, you know, there's the one with the little tripod thing and then there's the other one and, yeah. And then they, they're all sort of halfway bet between one and the other, aren't they? They don't really have yeah. an LM. Tripod for sustained fire. I'm not certain how they used the I've brought the 30 cal mm. in the light machine gun roll without without it. No, exactly. Just Looks a pretty chunky rest thing. It, rest it on something and hope. John mm. Wayne. Then so with the, with this group of infantry we're looking at then, if yeah. you were you know, if we, if you were forced to tell us how many different um, 
paint colours have you got on those figures? Would you say how many different um, Vallejo dropper bottles? Or oh, how many different paints? Um, yeah. Off the top of my head, yeah, including washes. Oh, of course, we're including 20. washes. Yeah, we're about twenty plus. About twenty. About twenty on those, and they're just like blokes painted green with brown boots. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And and then and that's in, then you mix them as well, I guess. Yeah, I, that's including mix either including some of the mixes. The colour that I mix that I add in to make the highlights. So yeah. Okay. I was so um, we... reading about these, um, the paras, uh, US paras in the Pacific, and uh, read they actually went up against the Japanese paras at one point in the Philippines. Yes. In Lafayette? Uh, if that was 503rd or the 11th Airborne Division, but yeah. yeah. I, certainly some of the US Paris in the Pacific did fight Japanese Paris. Which Japanese had paratroops, wow. Yeah, that, that was, yeah, they had two different sorts. They had army ones and marine ones. Finished the, the US Paris, stayed with the 28mm airborne, and the Polish Paris. The Polish Arnhem Paris, or the Polish, we wish we want to go to Arnhem Paris. Well, uh, the Polish yeah. Paris also at Monte Cassino. made it to Oosterbeek. Yes. Yep. Cause it's, cause it's, is it the anniversary of that coming up soon? Or is um September? Oh, uh, September, not for a while. Yeah. Were the Polish Paris involved in Monte Cassino, or am I getting mixed up with other Poles? No. Yeah, that was the German Paris, wasn't it? No, it was, yeah, it was the, the Poles Germans the Abbey, but I don't Cassino, know if the, but the Polish uh, Free Force was in Monte Cassino. The Polish fought there, but not their Paris. Right. Yeah, I've, and I just had to take this last photo, because hmm. seven figures out of 18, all basically the same... Skull. Sled pose, yep. Uh -huh. It's the Polish, Polish Airborne synchronised hopping team. Synchronised hopping team, yeah. They're all walking with one with the right leg down and the, the left leg up and um, just yeah. running forwards. Okay. So given these, you know, British paratype smocks, what are the three primary colours? Because <laughs> there's a brown, there's a beige, and there's a green, isn't there, on the yeah, splinter camera? Those ones... I did them all in sort of the late, like the second pattern Denison, so it's mm. the more sort of greenish, greenish grey base. Mm. But was there a Vallejo, you know, triad for those three, or was it all mixed? Right. Uh, I've base cut, base base colours were either were German camo, German camo beige. Okay. Flat green and mahogany brown. Mahogany brown. Okay. All right. That's fantastic. Well, look, that's, that's some cracking stuff. And Dave, just, just jumping sideways on the screen. You're, um, you were waving what I hope was a drop of bo bottle of mahogany brown at us. Um, camo beige. Yeah. Camo beige. You've got camo beige. What? Camo beige and I've got reflective green. Are you going to branch into second world war then? Now that, um, now that your census duties are coming to an end. Uh, German Feld gray. Okay. You oh, bought these during the podcast as Adam was talking about it and Tamsin have been talking about them, right? So what, what have you been up what have you been up to in between tramping the streets of northwest London? Uh 
Uh, not a lot. Sleeping. <laughs> oh, right. It's been that um, hard work. I, I have actually managed to, in between sleeping and recovering with my legs up in the air above my heart, to try and get the blood back into my body. Uh, I've managed to do some a couple of bases of Legio Heroica, Ro late Roman uh, ballistas. Famous scorpions. Yeah, scorpions. Yeah. That we know are now going to have magic capabilities in AGLG version oh, four. Because so, I thought, I don't know how I... You spelled them, yeah. And they've okay. got one legionary on the base. Yeah. And um, since I, was, I did two bases of them, I've actually sort of started on another three or four bases of uh, Justinian scorpions. Oh, wow. You're just going to be like Dr. Scorpion then. Yeah, okay, artillery, artillery, artillery. It's just going to be a barrage of bolts from you next time we're all on table. And I've even found my uh, incendiary guys from Outpost. Wow. My God. That's a thrower and a rocket lance guy, or whatever he's called. Because you just don't hear about Outpost anymore, do you? Nobody ever no, seems to suggest I had, them. I had a lot of them at first. Yeah. There's a guy who was a doctor of something and he... I think he was actually a doctor of botany or something, and he but he researched and wrote some rules for uh, crusades, didn't he? And they were nice mm. figures, those. Yeah, I think I found the spears on the um, the cavalry were really, yes, almost pointless. You know, well, the spears being pointless would be a bad thing, but, but they were just so flimsy that yeah. um, they almost needed drilling out from the off. And there was like a one-piece guy. Some and there were some figures were better than others. I, I, yeah, but some of them were really good. Some of them were really yeah. good. Yeah, I think it's still out there and still still yeah. chugging away. Always yeah. a thing to have a look at. But other than that, it's waiting for version four. And what will we need to yeah. add our armies? And what's the next project to come along? Just and waiting for that. Well, you know, maybe on on that one. Let's let's look to the. The man who's the king of, of patience and waiting. Um, Peter, what have you been up to in the last couple of weeks? Um, you know, any any progress on the the haircutting front, or is this just all swept up and trying to? It's been no, cut no, no, no. This... Um, it, it's it's nicely coiffed now. So um, right, they um, brought along several sort of uh, wheelbarrows to cut uh, cart away yeah. all the horse their hair. Hair, yeah. yep. You're going to make balls. some cushions or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think several duvets or. Uh, mattresses to be honest there's so much coming off okay. um but um yeah did that did the gym and then got absolutely buried with work so uh i've been awfully boring even to the point of uh sitting out in the sun uh with a laptop i actually got to uh, go outside i felt like a vampire but um i was doing more plotting where are you going to find one though hmm? so you felt like a vampire but where are you going to find one Yeah, that's what, you know, just because I was feeling peckish. But um, the other stuff I've been looking at is um, some of the articles for ADLG in the interview. So mm -hmm. that's the key bit I've been looking at. Just to see what, uh, did you manage to get any more info out of Kurasan about um, their Assyrians, I think you were looking at? Yeah. Or was that radio silent still? No, not had anything from there. Um, I was looking at a couple of others because they're looking at the new armies and everything else as you start looking at different things. And I, I know we'll have a chat with that in a bit. So I was also looking at the museum ones following what um, yourselves um, have had. And how's the uh, how's that been painting the, the new museum ones? Because I was just looking at the Mycenaean ones. 
Uh, I was wondering how they'd get on with it. Yeah, well, I think um, myself and, and Simon, in fact, maybe it's go to Simon, because I think we were talking about painting the museum ones as well. Um, and I think we did a we did a handoff of something. I can't remember what it was um, that we, we passed on <laughs> about two weeks ago when I managed to um, get one of the rare um, warm enough to go out on a bike days and um, and make my way down to Paddington Basin uh, before the traffic gets too nutty again. Um, but you were, I think we both had that same sort of museum experience, didn't we, about how to paint them and whether going through the phases of are they good, are they bad, are they paintable by more immortals or not? Yeah, because they're, um, they're quite nice moulds, but what I found, especially with the, so I've just done the uh, Macedonian and the Hoplites, and what I found is a lot of the details are very, very fine, so you've got to be very, very careful when you're painting on, because, you know, Peter, you, you paint a little bit like I do sometimes, you know, big, big um, mug of a hand, you just sort of smoosh the paint on, so you lose a lot of the detail, but with some of the washers it does pop out so it's sort of eh, compared to some other ranges where yeah a lot of detail that um works really well for a walk for a wargamer painter who's a little bit clumsy or less accurate compared to i, I must admit i think you've hit my niece niche spot i've got to get good miniatures to make up for my inabilities and my capabilities um I, I know my standard and I know my capabilities and I, I try to improve on them at times, but at some point, uh, as Adam was saying, it's like you've got to have it scream out to you. It's the three foot view. Um, mm. It's all very well being able to do the detail in that. And every so often I do that, really enjoy it when I can get around to it. But um, for me, I like getting the stuff on the table and playing it. Um, so actually having some miniatures where you can, um get those features get the key points on there and if you have time you can really go to town on them but it's it's something that's going to um one be more more robust for me because i've got a nasty habit of dropping the stuff um and two that uh, it's going to have sufficient detail that um i like the look of them i i, I like when you know you've got that three foot look and you mm. know you like having that mixture like tamsin mentioned I, I don't like it when they're all a bit too rigid so you like to get that variables, um, but it's just, uh, and for me, I like looking at some of those ranges and w sorting out the armies. That's why I think I've got to sort of get back to sort of doing some of the play tests and everything else. And then I'm really going to go to town on uh, some of these, um, especially with the updated rule set coming out. Or what you could do, Peter, rather than wait for the new rules and then decide, you could buy the entire range of models because that way then you can do all the extras because you don't want, you don't just don't want a 200 point army. You want the options, you want the you know, dismounts, you want the expendables, you want this. And I'll only be using ones, but why wouldn't I have three uh, superior war wagons uh, running around the table? Just because you can. <laughs> Yeah, you see, that's where I'm also going with the additional stuff on the current armies I've got to sort of add them up. So that's why I was researching the uh, um, the bolt throwers and everything else that uh, Dave is now going and everything else. Um, I've just got to stop still long enough to actually execute on those plans. So buy it, on it. Yeah, it's like people have got like the pet their paint list. I've got my yeah, I've got the ones I want to buy to then execute to even make it to the paint list. You know, for, for me at the moment, uh, a good bit would be actually get the figures in and get them to the undercoat stage. You know, 
which I know is heresy for some people, but it's like even to get to that point at the moment, I'd just like a break to do that. But well, I could recommend if you need to outsource a miniature painting, we have a painter available in this podcast who might be able to do you a deal. Mm. <laughs> it's got to be someone, isn't it? So this means war. All right, so Simon, what other than um, finishing off the um, the Hellenistics, did you finish them or are you still chugging through them from last they're couple of weeks? Finished. <laughs> they're finished, they're done. It's a miracle. Hey. So, um, actually, uh, like that, that doesn't sound like it was um, a, an entirely enjoyable experience from the way that you celebrated that. Yeah. There were one of those armies where um, I'm glad I didn't buy the whole uh, 250 point of Hellenistic Greeks because I think by the time I painted the four bases worth, I was like, yep, I'm done with this. Don't really need to paint any more of them. So mm. um, the Macedonian Greeks, uh, they were interesting, but by the third or fourth base of them, I was finding they just weren't floating my boat a bit. So I'm guessing because I've never, never played the army, I've, I've been trampled by them a few times, but because I've never played one, the that impetus and that desire to really go to town just wasn't there. So it just got to the point of, yeah. fine, let's just get these out of the way so I can then decide what else to go buy. So um, yeah. they look all right. So, you know, the pikemen yeah. are now, um, they're all on the 40 mil one uh, UDY squares and there's um, 16 pikes for a base. So when you look at it, you, can, you look at the pike and go, Yep, that's a proper offensive pike base. Hmm. Um, I've done all the um, uh, javelmen and all that. So um, that arm is now complete. So I now need to figure out what to do next. So it's kind of one of those um, armies that you feel like you need to own, um, but then the actual art of doing it wasn't wildly enjoyable because you're doing it. Was it because you were doing it because you felt like you need to own one of those armies rather than because you wanted to? It was a combination of um, I feel like I should have have it because everyone else seems to have that army yeah. and Imperial Romans often suck. So my, my Romans never come out of the table. And mm. um, Museum were having a 20% off sale and I'm cheap. So yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> and happy, happy to support Museum Miniatures and buy their, buy their lead. So while you're yeah. there. You know you want a South American army. Yeah. No, see, I'm not going to do South Americans because I just can't paint that minute, that no. minute bright colour properly without being on drugs. Just all those spots. Well, yeah. that's why I was considering my CNs because I looked at a picture of them and they're in gold when they're <laughs> not naked. You said, yeah. yeah. They're just all kind of um, done. So, so Simon, did you, um, did you get past the um, um, Hellenistics or did you just, you know, expire after finishing and getting that army over the line um pretty much expire so the uh completed last night being washed oh, okay just got wow. to be punished and that's now that army done so right scaling, so, all the 15 mil lead has now been painted oh wow okay so what that that's does that put you in a toxic situation or do i need to urgently ship to you some part painted scots people <laughs> That would always help, but I do have um, four boxes of 20 mil plastic um, Chinese, which okay. I wait to see what happens with AD with uh, version four. 
before I decide to make either more Mongols or more heavy cavalry, because you can never have enough Mongols. True. So there could be more stuff um, that's imminent then. All right. Well, I guess kind of wrapping up with me, it's the last couple of weeks. Um, I had a week of, of painting um, concrete floors and, um, and and white exterior walls, which has been kind of exciting. But um, but it's also been, I think, in the last couple of weeks, I'm just trying to remember when I, I actually put a wrap on them, is um, finishing off my Thracian, all my Thracian infantry and basing them and, and doing them. So now I've got, I think it's, 16 bases of Thracian infantry or 17 bases of Thracian infantry and the cavalry on top of it. Some have got Romphias, some have got javelins, some have got spears and swords. So there's enough different mixes to do different types of it to go with those cavalry that I did before. And it was, um, it was what were they called? Um, Zeiston figures for the infantry, which I think are great for the Thracians and all the little, little big man shields to match up with the museum cavalry. And um, and I uploaded a few photos of them earlier today, and it's it does look like a really coherent army. Whether it would be a good army, um, I don't know, <laughs> but we'll see. Really, I think that's a a version four thing. And then it has been looking at it, and and it's just been toying with: do I try and finish off some um, um, some Ottoman cavalry that I've got about 60 percent painted from Legio Heroica, or do I finish off the um, ten mil Germans? That I need to pull out um and then also actually I forgot Dave they um those tiny little 10 mil um dark ages guys the dark ages guys as well the baron um, knights the baron knights yeah um which you've got some of them yours are undercoated in black are they um are they getting started is that they're on the list in, they're here in my tray yeah yes I think I, I will crack into those yeah. give an experiment because I was just I got out an old um I think we talked about it a while ago an old really old book with some games on. I was thinking, what do I do with these little figures? And do I make them into game counters for some sort of board game? Because at some point I must have a board game involving medieval people, you know, because there's Kingmaker and all those sorts of things. And if you based two or three of them on a little round, they would actually be quite nice pieces. So it's whether to actually use them, base them up as gaming pieces. And it's possibly for a game that I don't know if I own yet, um, but it just kind of gets them done. Um, and, you and you can them. always turn them into um, like a um, a 15 or even 28 mil camp. And it's like, that's the village, but far away. But far away, yeah. But they're all they're all little knights on horses and things like that. They're all just um, so it's, you know, charging it's around. It's a flank attack coming in from far away. From quite, quite a very, very far away. Very, very far away. Did you have that game of... Cry Havoc, the old... Nothing yeah, it's, I, I haven't got figures. it, but I kind of feel like I should, um, in a way, really. So maybe I'm just buying pieces for a game that I don't yet own, um, or, or not buying. Maybe them, it's but, a um, game you want to design. No, I don't want to be doing that. No, I just buy, buy it, play it, do all that sort of stuff. And um, and I think on that basis, it is time to talk about a game that someone else has designed. So look, we've um, in our drip feed of we haven't got ADLG four yet because it's all stuck in customs somewhere. Although um, they are shipping out from Italy, the English version, somewhat bizarrely. I think the Greeks will have it soon, and um, and the Scandinavians will as well. Um, you know, go go Finland, um, rah rah rah, or whatever that means. Um, 
or possibly that's a, a Finnish second division football team. And but there has been an interview with Hervé, the author of ADLG, that um, Paolo, the the um, the significant Italian gamer, um, the the impactful Italian gamer, has done on um, on No Dice No Glory website and as well as all the hints and things that have been drip fed through the website, there's a bit more detail emerging before we, we get this copy through North star into our sticky little hands. So rather than pretend that this isn't happening and just kick it into the long grass for another two weeks, we thought what we do would have a quick round Robin on, on some of these things that um, are coming out at the moment. So if I just run through the, the handful of new things that are in, this um, this interview. So, in version four, Hervé is adding in some specific um, units. This is a, another wonderful bit of translation, kind of more Chrome, really. Um, it, I think that's a great phrase. It appears that players like these kinds of units, as it allows them to paint some very specific figures. War wagons with blades being the classic, the anti-mounted, the anti-elephant Roman, Roman Camillan Roman classical engine and communal Italian carts. Um, very very unusual characteristics so they don't shoot um other war wagons tend to shoot or do shoot these guys don't they can charge and contact the enemy which is completely different um they don't pursue i guess um fairly sensible they've got a combat factor of two against elephants which is pretty pokey and even better they cancel the impact of ability of elephants but but I guess they're reasonably easy to avoid. Yeah. And um, and they're an eight-point budget, which makes them, I think, fairly cheap. So, um, you know, let's let's just run around and, and ask the question. Um, Peter, you know, you're Mr. Mr. Elephant. Does this fill you with horror? Or does this fill you with no, a, a view the, desire the, to get a Camilla Roman army? No, no, no. See, this looks interesting. Uh, the reason being, the two armies which I'd look at is the class, uh, classical Indian, and the communal uh, Italian. I think they would be absolutely hilarious to suddenly rock up there because mm. what I'd have with the classical Indian, I'd have one or two of these wagons supporting um, my elephants going in. So normally in those sort of periods, you have someone turn up with his elephants, you've got your elephants, and it's a bit of a sort of blast off. Whereas you have one of these, you can really upset them and then go in with your elephants. I think that'd be great fun. Okay. Um I don't know. Dave, what, what's your thoughts on these? Does this look like a little bit of extra colour for you? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I presume the chameleon Roman is the... It's not the flaming pigs, is it? There was some other thing they, the chameleon Romans did with some sort of... I think in, um, in DBM they had anti-elephant cars. Yeah. So this is the same thing. I can't quite remember what they were. But I'm not sure. I know classical Indian had some sort of war wagon which was designed to fight elephants. But I don't know what the communal Italian war wagon for anti-elephant is. It, it wasn't so much a war wagon against elephants because obviously the Italians didn't fight. So the communal Italians didn't fight elephants. No, we yeah. fought enough of them at Burton, didn't we? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. The, <laughs> I used to play communal Italian in DBM, so I was a big fan of it just because it was a stupid army. You know. You know, how could you not like an army where you could spend the entire table in spear eye? So that, that was for me was the excitement thing. But the communal tones with the war wagons was great fun against mounted armies because one of the big tactics or techniques back then was you just come around the flank of a communal tone army 
and do a Pac-Man down the line. When you put six war wagons across your army, sometimes two on each flank, you've got um, you know, 160 mil deep of base as a, as a um, flank attack, you're protecting against your flank attacks as you walk 40 spear down the table. It was great for pushing night armies off the table because they couldn't get around you. And just the idea of Italians walking around with this war wagon with um, blades and scythes and, you know, child Bella right on the front of it, it floated in my boat. So I'm looking really forward to this. Yeah, because I, I guess um, war wagons on, you know, these will still have a pretty decent anti-mounted capability yeah. anyway, oh, yeah. but they can be shoved into contact, which um, which is kind of cute. And um, I think for the communal Italians, which is already a pretty decent army, it just gives you your poor quality foot a bit more protection against against mounted troops. It, it did make the communal Italian just a little bit more viable because you could charge the war wagons and you could charge mounted with them. You know, the gendarme would rock up and go, hi, I'm better than you. You chuck a war wagon right up its guts and go, deal with that. That tended to get their attention and um, they never recoiled. So it's like, I lost, don't care, I stand here. Okay. And um, I don't know, Andy, have you got any um, discontinued really, by any of these armies? Do you own any of these? I've, I've got the kind of makings of the communal Italian with my the Norman knights and um, some crossbows and things like that. But I've never really, I mean, Simon and I once used communal Italian at Burton and we had good fun doing it. But I've never really got into it seriously as a, a, a you know, bespoke army by itself. And I've never really used war wagons. I reckon Adrian Clark, who has come across the competition, he'll love it because he always turns up with war wagons. So anything that's war wagons, he'll be all over it. And Gordon. Yeah. And Gordon, yeah, Gordon will be on all sorts of things. Yeah, is this one that you've um, thought about painting up, Tamsin? Is there a, some? Uh, no, it's... I haven't actually considered any of those armies. So no, they're all kind of slightly, slightly left field. Um, anyway. Um, Adam, what about you? Is this something you're going to? Um, is your is your twenty eight mil medievals morphable into communal Italian, or is that probably a bit too early? Um, probably not a bit too early. It's like at some point I vaguely intend to do early Republican Romans, um, and if I was doing them fifteen mil, I'd probably get a few for a laugh. But I would do them twenty eight mil, and that sounds quite expensive to buy stuff just for a laugh because <laughs> like a twenty eight yeah. mil war wagon. Yeah, he's um, yeah, not cheap. So um, for me, it's a bit of a. It might be interesting to see him in the game, but yeah, yeah, okay. And then, I was just thinking, you know, I could see a few of us playing around with um, plastic mock-ups in twenty-eight mil for war wagons. Yeah, you give it a go, but you're not going to invest, you know, thirty or forty quid for a um, one or two lead war wagons because that gets quite expensive. A couple of the, the communist war wagon today. Oh, MDF from um, war bases. Yeah. yeah, just have a wagon and put some like people with pokey sticks in it, and um, Ooh, a communal Italian wagon. It, it could be the Mad Max of communal Italian. I might yeah, use I my ten mil hammer mags as war wagons. See how they work. <laughs> yeah, if you can ever put them together properly, that would be the answer. Oh, they look. I started to try to paint them. They look absolutely hideous. So that that would that would do the trick. And oh, any they, elephant. Any self-respecting elephant would want to go anywhere near these. A 10 mil Hanamag. Okay. Um, and then the next one, which um, is Nafferton, basically. The, um, the Byzantines, the Arabs, the fire throwers, some Chinese armies. Um, light infantry with grenades. Um, they fire at one UD. 
their target has no protection other than light infantry, light horse who are sort of dispersed. They get plus one against melee and shooting against elephants and wagons. So this is light infantry that's kind of quite decent, more than quite decent against elephants. And um, they cost five points. So Dave, you were, you were waving some of these at us. So you, have you actually thought about this and thought they might be pretty cool? Well, I think the Byzantine ones are interesting because that's the Greek fire guys, the guys with the fire siphons. Mm -hmm. So that they're going to be quite good. Um, my first, my first automatic thing is gulp because this means Inyaki's uh, Gaznavids have got Nafferton. so he's get, he can have his elephants being led in by Lightfoots who are even better than they are normally. Well, these are almost like the side chariots of Well, if it basically okay, they only shoot at one, but it's going to be hard to clear his light foot screen from in front of his elephants because Gaznavids definitely had Nafferton. They had Nafferton in the on the elephants as well, I think. Things like that. They used to throw pots of uh, naphtha from the elephants. So if there's a few more of these around, does it make life more difficult for elephants? Well, I'm hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost yeah. like back in the MJ when you had... Um, Siloy uh, X, I think it was, you know, or yeah. X, the weird and wonderful. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They were great because you have one or two of them in an army. And I remember uh, one of my armies had it, and this war wagon, you know, so Lightfoot X would appear with a hand grenade and go, haha, throw a hand grenade. Oh, that didn't work. Trample. So yeah. I think if it makes things a little bit, a bit more than just rock, paper, and scissors and gives some of that color. That some of the Amazons, like the Byzantines, and the Chinese have, they'd be great because I remember some people doing some great models of, you know, um, light foot with flaming pigs coming out of them or hand grenades on fire or explosions. So you can see modelers going to town on this. Yeah, because looking at the Gaznavids used to have Nafferton with light entry firearm at four. Yes. So these are a little bit better, um, but they are a little bit more expensive and have a shorter range. So they're not going to be throwing these things as far as an archer or something like that. No. The only thing I'm a bit worried about, because like a few troops and a few armies, that's kind of yeah. cool. It, it'll make things interesting. I'm all just a bit worried about them, that they, they're they so handy against Alan Fence. So if I was doing an army that could have a couple, I would take an out couple just in case. And um, the only worry with this is they start to come overrepresented. Um you know, it's like you'll see. You'll see Arguably, them I think you do that with with javelinmen anyway. You know, people take javelinmen just because the enemy might have elephants. They're yeah, not quite a as good javelinmen is only four points, and a javelinmen is as good as the Nafferton. In actually, combat. that's true. Actually, they yeah, javelinmen seven points, isn't it? No, but no, lighter javelin. Oh, okay. And you can scare off. <clears throat> you can scare off the screen with other troops because the Lightfoot can't stand against main battle troops. Okay, so this is sort of light infantry javelin, but your protection is zero. Yeah. And they cost five points instead of um so they're better against instead of four. Basically. But um but they're not going to be as effective against other against other light infantry because the plus one bonus in melee only counts against elephants of war wagon, whereas your javelin counts against light infantry and light horse. Yes. So, so they are pretty specialist, but they're mm -hmm. not as good as javelin light infantry against other people. So, 
yeah, it's it's a bit of a toss up. It's probably a cool it, figure. It's, it's going to give it flavour, um, yeah. but I, I see it, you know, a bit of fun against, you know, uh, light horse. And the other one is um, wagons because uh, there's been various people bringing wagons along, and wagons are usually an absolute pain. So I could see that being a bit of fun more than even the elephants. Yeah. They give they give a plus against that. Okay, so then the um, the interesting one, Dave. We've already seen you painting some of this stuff. So um, um, although if you're painting it, for, so light infantry, sorry, not light infantry, light artillery can move and shoot on the same turn. Which, given it's got such a hapless range at like four mu, um, to me seems quite reasonable. And then there's um, integrated artillery that Romans can, for a budget of seven points, can shoot over legionaries or auxiliaries if placed just behind so so i guess that's a an artillery unit as a second rank but it shoots as if it's from the front you know that that would be kind of the textbook way of doing it and it's um romans then the germans during the batavian revolt which is romans palmyrans which is romans and then ming chinese which is just a nutty army full of artillery <laughs> and nonsense and um korean yi um which it's probably just a nutty artillery army full of nonsense as well. Mm. So I did, you know, I I just look at this thing. Yeah, it'd be great to see artillery with Romans, won't it? Yeah. In a way. Um, one thing. So Andy and I, we've, we've been playing with Renaissance for the last year, and we've been um, having uh, light artillery move and shoot, and it's made them actually quite useful. So I think for some of these armies, will be great fun to have. A little bit of light artillery wandering around because otherwise they are useless so um, utterly useless yeah so and then, yeah, yeah, you stick them next to a stick them next to a pike phalanx or something like that moving forward and that's it's all of a sudden you've got a, a serious looking death star yeah because i could think like um say the medieval armies say like medieval germans where they can get some light <coughs> yeah give them well, swiss like, swiss might get them i think, give them I think a lot of these are going to be list specific yeah it's fine Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, David. I'm, I think I'm talking more the um, the ability to move and shoot in the same turn for light artillery makes light artillery viable. Yeah. I think the um, the shooting overhead is a different thing, but yeah. maybe here the viable the sh move and shoot is actually more important. It's going to going to make them kind of sensible. Yeah, yeah. I think this will be a nice change because it'll it'll give you a a good reason to use that troop type. And make some armies just a bit more fun. So, because you know, you've got those armies that are more defensive, they can now push out a little bit of firepower rather than you have two crossbowmen. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, I, one I, interesting I, thing about using it for the Romans as well is um, that could be really, really effective, and it might be worth having one or two because if you're coming up, up against sort of like an elephant army or something, it'd be really handy. But early and middle and imperial Romans tend to be so expensive anyhow there's a genuine choice to make there because it is seven points that doesn't widen your line at all. Yeah. So it's uh, actually, however, there's swings and roundabouts on that decision. But I, th you, I think because there's seven uh, points, it must be, it must be separate units that have gone down. Then I think you can fit these in. Sorry. Yeah. I, th you, I think if you add in about the medium foot cost, medium sword cost going down, and you have some auxiliary, then yeah, that's that's true. you can start fitting it in. Yeah, but do you ever have seven auxiliary? Probably not. You know, it's but it's a proper choice, isn't it? You're still losing yeah. something. 
But it, it'll be interesting for us, Tim, for the for the Thracians, because one of the Thracian allied options is early Imperial Romans. So you can now take an early Imperial Roman ally with one of these artillery jobbies. With a little bit of thing, but in your Thracian again, army. But it's it still, still going to mean, you know, one or two shots with artillery before someone hits your legions, which is, yeah, but is that seven know. points? I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, seven points is worth it, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, because you think about does, does this balance out the cataphracts at some point? Yeah, yeah, it balances out the cataphracts a bit. And now they get, you know, if you've got a 40 by 40 millimeter light infantry unit based behind a legionary base, does it shoot from the front of the legionary? It has to. You know, that's the way these rules always work, isn't it? So, or or is it something like almost like a battalion gun in the Renaissance in Fogar? We have battalion guns. Mm. I suppose it probably is. Yeah. Or, you know, that's one thing I thought it might actually, you know, be just a little one pence piece with a Scorpio on it to say, oh, this base has got a, like almost like a battalion gun. Yeah. But this says the budget of seven points per artillery unit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which just is actually unit unit seven points for an extra shooting ability on a on a legionary base would be pretty nonsense i reckon it's just i reckon it'll be a separate light artillery unit and it's just got the capability to to fire over the people in front as long as they're directly in front of it i think think it'll it'll be great we um like uh, dave's scorpion models again there's all those artillery on carts that we've all wanted to buy and never really had a justification to buy them if you haven't already so again, some more troop types on the table. Something a bit more interesting to look at. Will look pretty That's good. Well, we'll find out because I'm taking the uh, late Roman um, my Legio Heroica army, which was painted a few years ago, which is very, very pretty. Going to take that to York in June. So there may be some scorpions in there. They will be. Right. So then um, the final bit that comes up on this this interview is that there's 18 new, entirely new lists. I think. Although, to be fair, some of them look like they're spun out of separated of, of, of existing ones. Um, some of them we're going to be able to not even guess at, but maybe it's just have a quick look. So, um, Yayoi Japanese, anybody got any clues on that? That's very early Japanese. Yeah. Very, very Super early. Super early. So, pre Samurai. Isn't that what they called cocaine in Scarface? <laughs> um, pass. Um, what no? What was no comment? I think to go all, all line of duty on you. No comment. It looks like they've they've re redone the Japanese list completely and turned it into kind of four lists instead of just two. Because uh, there's high end Japanese as well, isn't there? In here as yeah. well, there's another one on the list. But, so the samurai, which was always a bit of a you know, maybe that just makes these different types of samurai more viable. Yeah. That was always a tricky, weird thing that never really works as it should. That might be a good thing. So post-Roman British is um, is intriguing because there there was there was one before, wasn't there? Sort of. Well, that, it was it was called Romano-British, wasn't it? I think. But it went in, to about it went from about the year three hundred to the year eight hundred and forty-five or something. Hasn't her they split the um, Romano-British? The, the was uh, Romano-British, and, it, and I think that included sort of like Brittany, Brett, you know the. Mm. 
the, the sort of northern French. I think it included the Saxon invasion as well, or post-Saxon yeah. invasion British, all in one list. So, yeah. so splitting that out, maybe this one gets a bit more of a, you know, a, a super duper late Roman feel, and the the Anglo-Saxons get to be the the you know the ones after the Romans had kind of gone. Um, later Scots-Irish and later Pictish, I think. Um, that was all squashed in with something else, wasn't it? There was one list that was about five different armies. Caledonian before. Scots, I think it was called, wasn't it? Well, that was one of the options in a sort of Scots-Irish list, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually, no, the picks, a... the picks lasted forever, didn't they? In, um, yeah. Yeah. There's a couple that stand out um, for me, which I think would be quite interesting. First of all, there's the, um, the last uh, Indian list, the Vag... Um, Vag Viagra Kingdoms, is that it? Yeah. Can we just start calling it the Viagra Kingdoms? We might be able to like come up with that as a thing now, and then everybody will call it the Viagra Kingdoms. Sounds good to me. Let's go with that. But but the um, looking it up uh, in the history looked quite interesting and uh, looked something that I don't know what the list makeup's going to be, but they had some interesting troop types and of course lots of elephants. Um, So that's one that's particularly interesting. But then there's some of the African kingdoms, which, uh, depending on where they've leaned to, uh, some of the Western African ones, they had their own sort of like uh, felted cataphracts, that sort of thing, as well as um, some decent troop types, uh, which I think would fit well, depending on where that list is actually put. So there's a couple of interesting ones that can come up, come up there. Um, and then the Japanese ones, it sort of like cries out to finally doing a Japanese army, but I've got to see how it fits because I know, a couple of people on the call have not had the best luck with some of the Japanese armies in the previous list. One worry I've got about the African kingdoms, and it'd be interesting to see the lists, is I remember when I first started playing WRG, you had the Chinese list, which was China from 400 BC <laughs> until 1500 AD. Um, so having African was, yeah. kingdoms, Africa's quite big, and its history has gone on for just as long as everywhere else. So it'll be interesting to see what their interpretation of African kingdoms is. Well, it's because they've split out some of the other ones. There was actually... Um, always the, like they've got the Tafia as well. Yeah. There's always been Axiomites and Nubian and things. I think they're just... If, if these are in... Um, these look like they're... Do they look like they're in order? Possibly they do. Yeah, so, I think they are yeah. in chronological order. If it's order. African kingdoms in that sort of order, near the Taifa kingdoms and feudal, it may well be the the African kingdoms that had contact with the, the the sort of southern Islamic state that kind of went into um, you know th- those empires, the born um, oh, south of Morocco, Songhai and things like that. No, maybe even you know the the West African, the Songhai. There were some big empires that traded with Mali and yeah and the Muslim kingdoms just north of the Sahara that they were like proper proper mm-hmm. empires that there's some proper history about um you know not not kind of the more the, people who were big enough to put armies into the field I guess is, is it's, where it it's, needs to be. it's going to boil down to which period they're set into because part of uh, what it but on, on this list my that, assumption would be their feudal you know they yeah. which then, would put the Muslim integrate in contact um, so possibly the they're going up against medium knights possibly possibly they get their own who knows um yeah. anything else in here that looks interesting aster leonese and navarese looks like an early feudal spanish well it looks like it's really gone to town with the spanish with the tafia which is these the 
the Tafi, which was the southern Muslim kingdom in Spain. Then you've got the Leonese and Navarrese, which is going to have Mamedian knights. It's got to. I think it's going to be too early a period. Um, and then the medieval Cyprus, that could be a lot of fun as well. I think yeah, after Leonese and Navarrese is, is going to be the early sort of heavy cavalry yeah. combinations. And then you're going to go into the feudal Spanish and then the medieval Spanish. And then medieval Teutonic gets separated out, I presume, because that was like an, a medium and a, a late night list, wasn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and then feudal Welsh, who knows? Um, a bit more detail. Feudal Scandi. Cyprus is there was a Cypriot list, hmm. a sort of Crusader Cypriot list, which I've used yep. a few times. So I don't know where that goes. Um, and then there's the funny old uh, Polynesian Melanese army. Yeah. Well, that's good news for um, for Dave, isn't it? Dave, Dave Madigan. Madigan. Yeah. yeah, there's there's at least one person who owns one of those lists as well. And um, and then it looks like they've tidied up the period so that any list which is in the feudal period has medium knights, and then any list that's in the medieval period has heavy knights, which just makes competition organising a lot easier, um, I guess. <laughs> Dark Ages doesn't have them, so that's just tidy. Um, and then there's this change here about making flank or rear attacks more effective, which um, it says is a, a player-driven request. So instead of flank or rear attacks giving the plus one, it gives a plus one and the unit's combat factor, so that that's an extra bonus from one to... Or, well, the bonus is now from one to three instead of just one, which, which reading that, I guess, suggests that it's not the impact factor or anything else it's just their base combat factor because your combat factor is either not one or two isn't it um, it can't be because if a bowman goes into a flank at the moment you get a plus one yeah so you know if, if you're a unit which is fighting to your front and someone hits you to the side you yep. go to zero drop a level go to minus one yeah Bowman hitting, you know, my famous bowman, you know, mediocre yeah. bowman going around the flank is going to add one. Yeah. So if a spearman, say, goes into a flank, that must be adding two. Yeah. And then pikeman would add three, wouldn't it? Exactly. And so that's all you can get. If it says from one to three, maybe it just is the base factor. Because so for example, cataphract in going into infantry in the flank, they wouldn't add a total of three. You'd add... No, I'm talking two. about... What it means is that... So knight, if, if a knight is fighting a knight at the moment, the base factors are two against two. Yeah. Then if another knight hits that knight in the flank, that knight hitting the flank goes to minus one. And then mm. the knight in front is a factor of two plus two on the side. So it's going to be essentially five nil. Yeah, but you're then when they say plus one to plus three, they're not including the minus that's being given for hitting in the flank that okay, yeah, exists yeah, yeah. that's always exists but a knight so a knight fighting a knight and another knight hits it in the flank it's going to be a fact basically going to Dead. be five nil so it's going to be yeah, but, it, but at the moment it would still be you'd be two frontally attacking your opponent would be at minus one and then you get an extra one for the flank attack so you'd be three to minus one so you'd start four factors up yeah so starting six factors up or four factors up is still Swings around about, isn't it? I guess. No, you'd, um, you'd be up six factors because you'd be yeah. up two for the front, up yeah. three for the flank, and then yeah. they'd be down one for being hit and disrupted. I'm happy with that. It's like if you're fighting to the front front and 
you let some knights charge you in the flank, is yeah, you should be swept away. That's your yeah. problem, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. The, the upshot of it is that um, you're going to want to make what you're going to want to make your frontage wider, which feels like more of an ancient battle. Or you're going to not, you know, be doing this cheesy, you know, Dave's special mediocre bowman um, rolling up the line like Pac-Man because they it, just won't be very good at it. Well, no, it, they'll it, still be just as good as they are now. It'll still work, yeah, true, but there'll yeah, be better it, things to do. It's going to be interesting because I think we'll, we'll go through a phase of people making the flanks really strong and having, like, sweeping wings again. Um, but then the point's got to come from somewhere. So, you know, yeah. people are going to bleed the centre. So um, then you can start doing the whole oh, well, I might as well just hit the centre and then worry about it that way. Uh, because while he's coming around the flanks, I can take out the middle and just turn and eat it that way. So I think that's going to keep you quite interesting. Well, out, you know, out how much can you actually always, bleed away from the centre? Outflanking to... someone was good anyway, wasn't it? It's not yeah. um, It's not made it bad. It's, no, no, um... it's still going to be safe, but I think what it's going to do is make spearmen more valuable. That sort of like slow dying in the centre and... I think it's just going to. I, I think it's got some interesting. I think it's going to make armies larger, if anything. I think they've yeah. already done that, but the, you know, we believe they're they're reducing the point of the cost of uh, medium foot. So yes, exactly. You're probably going to end up with one or two more units of medium foot in your army if you want them. Hmm. I think it's going to make Julian Lopez very very happy. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I think on on that note, as, as I think that covers off all our um, <laughs> things that have been disclosed in this particular um particular interview so thank you to paul paolo for for doing it and hervey for doing that as well so um we will, we will quickly move on this means war this means war so now to the gaming section of this um gaming sort of podcast really it's taken a while hasn't it um so we've had a couple of our players in the last fortnight have managed to squeeze in some games and i suspect next time in, in a fortnight we might see even more if there's some more outdoor activity going on um not in a hampstead heath sort of way but simon um what what games have you managed to do on, on i'm assuming online yes this whole physical thing you know in, in person yeah not a big fan of it but um the old tabletop simulator still working so I had a um, game of Renaissance uh, against someone who reached out through Facebook and said he's keen on playing Renaissance and likes the idea of it and gave him his first game on TTS. And we had a cracking game. We um, dragged it to historical armies. So we had 30 Years War French versus um, Imperial, uh, 30 Years War Germans. So yeah, good old fashioned uh, fight, French and Germans, never happened before. And you've got to love a game where you can get a crested charge happening in turn two. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> he came screaming up. I advanced up. Next turn, he came screaming in and we contacted. And because um, he had won the uh, initiative because he wanted to be the aggressive player. And there was contact in you know, my second turn or his second turn. So um, it was good fun. And um, the end result was the type of result you want for your first game. Mm. He, um, both Miami was 21 points, his was 22. I lost 21, he lost 21. 
So he beat it by a point. So it's like a proper tight game. There were body parts everywhere. We had flank charges. We had um, the rear support working. We had the, the pike and shot getting stuck in. Dragoons mm. at each other behind in close fields going, there is no way I'm coming out into that mess. And yep. um, artillery being sacked, it was thoroughly Cracking rough. first game. Sorry? Cracking first game. Yeah. He's... Um, He's played Fogar and other uh, Renaissance games back in the day. And he likes the ADLG, uh, the violence type of mechanic where you can get things stuck in. Hmm. So um, you had two, two wings of Carassias being very German. They came tearing into the French, and the French were on the back foot from about turn two. Um, did some horrible things to his Carassias by putting uh, Piker shot units into them. That resolved a few issues. Yep. Um, but then he started to outflank the pike and shot. We actually then got pike and shot going to square formation before being trampled on. So um, got to try out a whole bunch of different rules of quick, yeah. I'm being overrun. Go into yeah. the big square. Help. You've got to do something. Got to do something with it. Um, okay. Good fun, good fun game. And we're going to have a rematch uh, or something this week. No, we're trying the three in, the three UD range for musketry. Did that work well? Yeah. So we tried um, three UD muskets. We had the. Um, they just made things a little bit more violent. So um, the caress, you know, the mountain can stay out of shooting range for a little bit longer. Um, and also we're playing a lot with the new points formula that we've worked out and um, had a, a much better feel on the table of an army. You know, when you looked at it, you went, that's a proper army. That looks, you know, that makes sense. You know, a bit of mountain, a lot of foot um, mm. and all that stuff. So lots of fun. All good. Okay. All right. And then um, Andy, I think you're you're our regular um, play every week guy, and um, we play every well play play the same guy every week. In fact, um, yeah. And so what's what's the progress this week? Well, we had um, two games since we last uh, podcasted. Um, first one was a Chinese civil civil war. Um, two spring and autumn Chinese armies in the year six three two when the Chinese get a a strategist called Duke Wayne, I think his name is. And Dave had the strategist, but I managed to win that battle. It was fairly sl- sluggish, and the dice seemed to desert him at a bad moment. We had a really interesting one last week, which was a battle of called Harkamesh, which was between the Neo-Babylonians and the Sayetic Egyptians. And I had the Neo-Babylonians, and I had one... He had more... He had four elite chariots, and I only had two elite and two ordinary chariots. My chariots were busy fighting his hoplites, and I just stayed there and let his hoplites come on to me, and that worked reasonably well. It was fairly even. Uh, but while, that, while all that was going on, my main infantry force, which was four mixed bow sword units, I had them corseted with two hoplites, uh, heavy spear, and on one wing I had two camels. And the bow was shooting at his heavy chariots and gradually hitting them, and he felt he couldn't charge me because if he charged me, yes, he'd hurt the swordsman, but one of his uh, chariots would run onto a, a hoplite and the other would be fighting with a camel overlapping him and then able to hit, hit him in next turn. So his, so the combination of camels and spears corseting the mixed foot, sword, bow sword, worked really well in sort of pinning him in place while I could shoot the blazes out of him. Okay, so uh, proper proper shooting then. Um, which yeah, it's good to get mass shooting actually having an effect in the game. Um, it, yeah. If you scale it up, it really does do start to do some damage, doesn't it? 
Well, I mean, I had um, three three of these bow guys shooting at his line of chariots, and by the end of it, we'd actually hit three of them, and they're elite and armoured. So, uh, you know, just shooting right. them often enough, and eventually you'll score some hits. Okay, well, you know, if we're talking about hits, I think that probably um, means that the hit music that everybody waits for in this podcast must be must be imminent. And yes, I think there in the distance, I can hear the sound of French techno coming towards us. Et voilà. So then, Monsieur Andy, um, you appear again. Um, your second straight feature, one after the other. So two weeks ago, we had a quiz, and we did um, indeed. You can at least you can remember what it was. Um, I suspect. Tell I us, can remember tell us what it was. And tell here, us what yes. the questions were, and possibly even the answers too. Indeed. Well, the the theme was what's it like out, and it was to do with weather ideas. So the first question was, in which battle, in 1777? Did more British troops die of heat stroke than from enemy action? Monmouth. Yep, Monmouth Courthouse. Okay. That was that was fought in the American War of Independence somewhere near, I think it's in New Jersey or somewhere like that. Number two, whose course suffered heavy casualties when it lost its way during a snowstorm at the Battle of Eilau in 1807 and marched across the front of a Russian ground battery? Not sure. No. no idea. Well, you worked out it wasn't your app. Yeah. It's actually Marshal Augereau. Napoleon had about two infantry corps up at the time because everybody else was wandering all over the place and he wasn't expecting to fight the Russians at that point. And he kind of run out of ideas. So he sent Augereau's corps to attack the Russians, only they got kind of lost and there was a blizzard and they ended up marching straight into a grand battery and got shot to blazes and fell back. And then Napoleon... Oh, they got shot up by French artillery as well, didn't they? Probably. I mean, it was just, it was all, it was all going They're on. Yeah. It, was all, it was all shooting over the Roman legionaries, wasn't it? It was light artillery. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. what you want. In a snowstorm, being shot at by both sides. and uh, no, you, Not good. You know, you've been sleeping out in the cold the night before. Just, okay. just, yeah. All good fun. Right. And the third one is, the term kamikaze means divine wind. What is the nationality of the first ship sunk by Kamikaze? Chinese or Korean? Correct. Chinese or Korean? One of the two. Yeah. I Khan's invasions of Japan. That's right, in about 1275 or whatever it was. That's right, yeah. All right. Okay, well, look, I think in, um, again... On the basis of Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the wee donkey, let's just move on to the next next set of questions. Right then, Andy, take it away with this week's um, questions. I, I hope it's Line of Duty themed, but I'm going to be disappointed, I suspect. Um, well, I'll try and think of one for next time. Right? This one's called Lack of Leadership, and it basically came out of the Beards last time with the American Civil War. Um, so the three questions, and I want to know the reason for lack of leadership by each of the following Civil War generals in, in battle, right? So the first one is, um, 
Union, Union General Joe Hooker on the second day of the Battle of Chancellorville. What was the reason why he wasn't properly in command that day? The second one is uh, General James Ledley at the Battle of the Crater in 1864. Is that the crater that we've seen? Yeah, the, 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 okay. the, the dimple. The dimple, the Battle of the, the Americans dimple. called yeah. it the crater, I call it the dimple. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then the third one who lost control uh, at a battle was George Pickett at the Battle of Five Forks in 1865. Not the Battle of Five Guys, the Battle of Five Forks. Yeah, Five Forks. Or Not Mo. Four Forks. No, no, Five Forks. No, and there were handles either. No handles. Okay, then. Well, look, we definitely got a handle on that. So um, I think that means the music is on its way in. Right. Well, look, we've um, we've made it through another week, astonishingly, or another fortnight, even possibly. So it's just really time for a quick roundup of um, of what's likely to be on the painting desk, or happening, or or gaming, or shopping over the next couple of weeks. So, um, Adam, let's let's start with you. Um, and uh, what what have you got coming up on on painting, finishing, basing, all that kind of malarkey? Uh, finishing the Germans, then I will prep up my final three ironclad ships to paint. Um, and then the Swiss all start getting their uh, paint put on them. Swiss, Swiss to come. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tamsi, what about you? What's um, what's coming next for you? Uh, it's, it's going to be terrain. I haven't decided what I what terrain yet. But it'll be. I'm, I'm guessing jungle might be up there in some way, shape, or form. Not at the moment. Uh, got so I've got. Some six millimeter ACW buildings. I've got some twenty millimeter shipping containers, or I've got some hedges. Right. Yeah. Shipping well, containers have copies of the them. Some hills. Yeah. So um, that's quite a few choices then. All right. So, so Peter, do you think you're going to be um you're going to be getting onto pressing click, or are you going to wait till AGLG comes? Um, I. I've booked myself a day off on Friday and I'm going to do an oddities day. Of all Aren't they all like the that? I've seen some of your painting, no? Well, you know, <laughs> I like to be consistent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> consistently odd. Yeah. But I've got, um, I was just remembering in the trawl of the back of the, the brain that I have, that I've actually got some Nappertons that I got from Donington um, a long time ago, which um, I haven't been able to actually utilise. So, I'm going to paint up a few of those. Um, I'm going to try and get an order in to get some of the uh, carts, um, you know, the bolted bolt shooter cart things for my Romans and just have a bit of fun with a few odd troop types while I await the book's arrival to then work out that, oh, I'm going to do this army and do something totally random. Um, but I've, I know I've got various odd troop types because um, I know, Simon and a couple of others were joking about, you know, the, the army you've got. I know when I've gone along and bought some, I've gone, oh, they look interesting. So I've got various odd ones, which I know I can actually use to flush out and different things. Okay. So, so catching up on bits and Dave, now that you're, you're back in the bunker and your, your tramping around London is coming to an end. What's, what's on your list? Is it opening a drawer and being surprised at what you find? Uh, it's waiting for the new rule set basically. And, mm then working out what things are missing from the uh, 
stupid collection and what's you know what do we need to do um I'm, I'm i'm desperately ready to start a new project and start painting another army but i think it's best to wait and see yeah you know just at the moment because you know there may be a you know you may need another two bases of knights you may need a two bases of something and two bases of this so i think it's wait i think we're all just sitting here waiting for european import duties to work their way out aren't we in lots of ways yeah or customs clearance or something to, to happen all right well andy you're the you're the legal expert is there any strings that you can pull to um to help us with that or um or is, is you were you just so busy just staring in disgust at your own hanamags that um it, there isn't time for to fix international freight treaties uh no international freight's not my strong suit i'm afraid um I'm going to put a request, Peter. Could you order a, a one Roman Carabalista thing for me when you put your order in and I'll settle up with you? Will do. Just the one or do you want several? No, just the one, I think. It'd be an Allied contingent. Um, okay. And my painting thing is just carrying on with this never-ending World War II 10 mil project. And uh, I might be somewhere near the end of it or given up and discussed by the time I've um, by the time we get to the next podcast. Okay. So oh, it's Simon, Simon, you you almost gave up in disgust on a project, have you? And then you were saying that you're kind of a little bit light on on what's what's coming next. What's yeah, very scaringly. The um, I've actually painted up all my fifteen mil lead. I'll, so... I'll just bring you some round. I'll just bring you some round. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've got some uh, Polish hussars that uh, just keep staring at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I could cycle the Canary Wharf. It's only um, With, well, the wings that are missing. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, um, yeah, like everyone, I'm sort of waiting to see what comes out in, in v, V4 to then give me an excuse to buy an army that I don't need, but it's shiny and I want it. Um, and then also see if I need any more, anything more for my 25 mil medievals, uh, which I probably don't, but I probably buy something anyway, or my Chinese. So, um but I have been looking at some of the Arab armies, but it's not an army that I've got at all. And I do like the army, do like the idea of a June-esque style um, Mujahideen, uh, Fremen type of uh, Arab mm. army coming across. Would, the, um, would uh, you do that in 28 mil or 15? Probably 15, because I don't, I don't think it would be an army that I play that often. So 15 is a lot cheaper. I'm trying to keep the 25s for the armies. I know I'm going to play a lot. So yeah. Chinese, I can go from chariots to medieval, and medieval I can do all of Western Europe. I like the Donington stuff for the Arab armies. Uh, that was that was fantastic. Some of that it was lovely. Yeah. Some, Some of these um, Spanish kingdom armies are mainly sort of swordsmen in black. The picture right. of them in the book, so they could be very easy to do. You just paint them black, and there you go. Off you go. Yeah, you've also got the Tafia one, uh, which was yeah, the Taifa, some yeah. sa uh, Spanish. Taifa, isn't it? I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's Taifa. Tafia yeah. is um, something you yeah. make baskets like out of, isn't it? Tafia, you know, Tafia. Tafia kingdoms, yeah, Scouse kingdoms of Tafia. Yes, possibly true. Yes, we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we're not talking about Ryan Giggs on this podcast. Um, okay, well, I think you know, I, listening to it, I think with two people painting World War II Germans, I really do need to drag those um, 
those to the front of the queue as well and give them a you know doing over now the thracians have been finished i was i think i've been on a bit of a kind of hand breathe after finishing all the, the thracians and doing the lbms and all the the other bits and pieces and it is now decent outdoor weather but but maybe try and fit in a couple of real games um in in the outdoors i think this week looks like it's got a couple of wet days and then it kind of brightens up towards the end of it and then next week looks pretty dry and pretty decent so um so get get the german tanks to the front of the list um possibly the ottoman cavalry they do look really close and they are legio heroica but there's probably more work than i think and then um probably doing some more um work on on planning a, a kind of slightly unusual venued um, competition for the back end of the year for a couple of weeks before warfare as well which um, i'm i'm doing some work on i think that'll be sorted in the next couple of weeks and ready to go so so i think on on that basis of looking ahead for for postage and shopping and painting and better weather and possibly even face-to-face gaming i think it's time for us to wrap up this week's podcast and we shall see you all in a couple of weeks so goodbye everybody Bye. bye We're going to get the lids back on this army painter now. I've opened. No, you need to get a hammer. That's the answer, isn't it?